0: Sports fans and welcome back to another installment of Sports Box. I'm your host Jude, as always. And the NFL season is here. Today we have football. The Jacksonville Jaguars are taking on the Las Vegas Raiders. And now you might say, okay, well that's not a big game. But football is back, regardless. Um, like I said, it's not a meaningful game. It's a Hall of Fame game, so we're not really going to see anybody. In fact, I don't think Derek Carr, Devontae Adams, truly anyone that's important for either teams will probably be playing a single snap. Um, but regardless, like I said, football is back in what feels kind of like almost like a fever dream for me. Cause I remember a month ago it was like, oh wait, what am I going to be doing? You know, basketball, we had free agency in the NBA, which was really fun. Um, the whole Kevin Durant stuff. And then also, we had NFL free agency a few mu- a-, a month before that. OTAs were kind of ending so it was kind of that early parts of July where you're like okay what do I really do with myself as a sports fan Baseball's great baseball has been great we actually had a huge trade deadline we saw Juan Soto shipped off to the San Diego Padres as well as um, so many other players and so many big deals Joey Gallo came to the Dodgers obviously not as big as Juan Soto going to the Padres um, but I, I think regardless, a huge, packed MLB trade deadline. So, so much has happened recently um, that it's kind of made me forget about the early parts of July where it was like, okay, what am I going to do without football? You know, baseball's not really in the swing of things right now. It's great now. It's it's wonderful now. We have training camp back. Training camp has been going on for about a week or so now. Um Obviously, the biggest storyline that I'm not discussing today, but I will be discussing, is the Deshaun Watson news. Obviously, we all heard over the weekend that Deshaun Watson was going to be suspended six games. Um, The 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 judge uh, or the ruling from the judge um, that it should be six games. Now we kind of felt that after that hearing of six games that the NFL would do some sort of appealing. And yesterday they decided that they would appeal this they would appeal the six game suspension for Deshaun Watson. Now I, I don't want to go too far into it because I feel if I go and do a tangent now, it's probably going to be, this is going to be a Deshaun Watson podcast, which I'm not wanting it to be, but from, what it sounds like is the NFL's looking for a year suspension at the minimum plus a fine of some sort. It, it seems the NFL is going to crack down a lot harder, um, whether that be a year, maybe even more than a year. Um, it, It really all depends. Now, at the end of the day, the NFL is going to make a decision. Some people are going to love it, some people are going to hate it. You know, that's just the way it goes, and that's the way decisions are made. You know, you you can't please everybody in this situation. You have to do what honestly is best for what you feel as a league in the NFL do with this type of situation where you have a guy that has 25 cases, and what what do you do? What's the extent? Now, something common with this is obviously going to relate to the Calvin Ridley situation where he was suspended a year for gambling. And, and as much as I would be the person that be would be like, look at this. This is obviously Calvin Ridley was suspended for a whole year. How can you not suspend Deshaun Watson for, you know, 15 years? Um, those are two separate situations. Betting on a game or betting on any type of sporting event as an athlete is by is, – it is written clearly in law that that is illegal no matter how much you spend. So that is your suspension. So you do have to separate those two cases. I'm not trying to defend Deshaun Watson in any way. What he has done and what, you know, his situation is completely different in as, and it's obviously worse. Um, But I'm not going to get too far into the depth of the Deshaun Watson case. Like I said, there will be a podcast on it. Once I get more of a um, definite answer of what the, what kind of the the sentence is, I don't want to say sentence, but what kind of this, the ruling is for Deshaun Watson after the NFL appeals this, I think we'll probably hear, more certainty later in towards the weekend um where you know the the nfl will get time to make the appeal process and then the the nfl player association will come back with their appeal so i i think it's 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 a lot of complicated things right now because of everything that was addressed recently with the nfl saying that they are going to appeal the six game suspension um but I don't want to get further into that talk because I feel as I'm wasting my time, my valuable time with you guys, to be talking about something that I actually wanted to talk about today. And that is the NFC West. Now, obviously, I think it's, it's long known the NFC West is probably one of the more dominant divisions in the NFL. Um, honestly, in fact, both Western divisions of the NFC and the AFC probably are the top two most dominant, whether you want to look at it. But... Um, but I thought it was very interesting because of some storylines that came out. And so I'm going to talk about two players specifically today. And I'm going to start with one of them, a rising star in this league. Actually, they're both rising stars in this league. But one true rising star in this league, and that's Kyler Murray. Um, Kyler Murray has been in the news quite often uh, this summer. Obviously, he's up for his extension, his big deal. And, and, and that's kind of where I wanted to start. And... I was going to talk about Kyler Murray regardless, but there were other, there was other news to come out um, last week about his contract. So if you don't know, Kyler Murray signed a five-year, $230 million contract extension with a $29 million signing bonus and $160 million in guaranteed money. That is an average salary of about $46 million, making him the second highest paid quarterback um, with an average salary. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers ahead with $50 million. But I thought what is very interesting about this deal... That Kyler Murray got is not the money that he got because 46 million to me is well that's <laughs> a, a crap ton of money to me that is not what I think kind of turned heads with Kyler Murray and it it was more in fact the the written language inside of the contract um and if you live under a rock obviously I'm going to inform you there was a clause in Kyler Murray's extension that basically said he's required to complete four hours of independent study um Every week during obviously during the regular season and during game weeks. this It also included that the four hours of Independence Day didn't include time when he was with position coaches or when he was with anything. This is his own time, not counting towards anything that he does with the team. Now, I think this turned a lot of people's heads because it said, okay, that's kind of an interesting thing to put in a contract for a player. Um, especially of this caliber, you're paying all of this money. Is that something you really need to even put on the contract? It's almost as if it's known that a quarterback should do that. So I decided to look further into it because I I, I got to be honest. You know, you, you see Kyler Murray on the screen. You see him as this 5'10", 207, you know, quarterback who slings the ball. He can run all across the field. But I didn't really know Kyler Murray from besides. The, I, didn't know, I didn't know the depths of Kyler Murray. So I thought it was interesting to look into him because I felt as if, you know, we only look at the football side. Of Kyler Murray. And, and I thought what I found was I thought was pretty interesting. And, and we're gonna get into the discussion about the whole film and the and the, the 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 independent study because I'm gonna tie it into this. Um I think as an NFL quarterback and someone who's especially being paid this big money, I don't think this seems to be needs to be stated in a contract. So I'm gonna start with that. I to me, I think if it seems a little interesting that the Cardinals would put this into a contract considering that you're paying this guy the big bucks. You're paying him $230 million. You're basically guaranteeing more than half his contract. You know this guy's here for the long run. It almost seems like he, there's a party that still doesn't trust him that you have to put that in. Now, if you don't know, the Arizona Cardinals two days later would remove this clause of independent study for four hours. And, and we'll get into that as well. But I, but I want to talk about Kyler Murray as the player, first of all. Because I, I think what I found was quite interesting. Kyler Murray is a winner. Now, winner is kind of, we get winners so mixed up now. It's like, okay, he's a winner, but he hasn't won any playoff games. So he hasn't won a Super Bowl. How is he a winner? Kyler Murray's mentality is a winner. All he wants to do is win. And to me, that is something you cannot teach. You cannot teach that. You're either, and I don't want to say you're even born a winner or you're born a loser because that's not true. Like you, you, there are ways to get that trait of being fierce and wanting to be a winner. But there are certain people who are just born with this intangible that you really can't teach. And that is that intangible of just being a pure winner. You will do whatever it takes to be that pure winner, Now, I find it very interesting because I read a New York Times article on this and it it did a beautiful job. Um, It did a beautiful job at detailing kind of Kyler Murray as this, you know, in the mind of Kyler Murray, I should say. And the one thing I found very interesting from a young age, um, Kyler Murray knew that he wanted to he just wanted to be successful. He wanted to win. Um, In fact, when he was really young, um, when he was a kid. Um, Or I shouldn't say kid when he was in high school, he attended a soccer match at AT AT&T Stadium. Now, Murray has never played football like soccer in his life. He's never really done anything. But when he was there and he watched Real Madrid play, he he told his grandfather, he said, how long do you think it would take me to become as good as Ronaldo? Right? He he honestly asked, or sorry, he asked his godfather, how long do, do you think it would take me to be good as Ronaldo? And as we all know, I mean, if you even if you don't watch soccer, you know Ronaldo is top, you know, cream of the crop. This dude is one or two best football players in the world. Or I should say soccer players for us Americans. But he asked that and he said and then when, when the godfather gave the response of, oh, you know, this many years, a long time, he said, "Now nah, it wouldn't take that long. And, the, and that's the type of mentality you could see from a young age that Kyler Murray knew that whatever it was, and, and Kyler Murray was never going to play soccer, he wanted to be the best at whatever it was. When he was older and he would play chess and his, and, and, and his godfather or his dad would beat him in chess, he'd go home and practice for hours. When he was drafted by the Oakland Athletics, you know, obviously this, this was a kind of a big topic because it was, was he going to pick baseball? Was he going to pick football? When he was drafted by the Oakland Athletics and as courtesy, you know, they, they invite him out, you know, kind of to the introductory, you know, ceremony festivities for the draftee. And also I will keep in mind, he was the first ever player. Uh, he's the first ever athlete to be drafted first in the MLB and the NFL, which is pretty impressive on itself. They invited him, you know, where he would kind of do batting practice and stuff. Leading up to that, he prepared for those days by hitting for three hours for three consecutive days. This guy just wanted to win. At everything. At everything. He wants to win. So I think that's kind of the basis of where I'm going to base my argument for Kyler Murray right now. Because I think with that in mind... It brings up an interesting conversation because as I looked further into it, Kyler Murray has said himself, he's not a big film guy. He has. He has said himself. In fact, there is a quote in this article that is very interesting. He says, I think I was blessed with the cognitive skills to just go out there and see, just to go out there and just see it before it happens. Murray also said, I'm not one of those guys that goes, that." that's going to sit there and kill myself watching film. I don't sit there for 24 hours and break down this team and that team and watch every game because in my head, I see so much. So, was it wrong for the Cardinals to put something of independent study? No, I I, I think the Cardinals saw it as, okay, we understand that this guy's in a film guy, but we're also paying you this top tier money, so we need you to still study that film. We still need you to study that, that film because... As great as your cognitive skills might be, and as great as you might make plays on the flash, at the end of the day, those won't always translate to success. But if you watch the film and you're able to see the film, process the film, it will give you, it'll have a higher success rate of always just using your cognitive skills. So I thought that was very interesting. But the reason, like I said, I brought up the winner thing is because what I see in Murray is If you already have that winning intangible as a player, if you already have that ability to go out in everything it might be, and yes, he's a star quarterback in the NFL, but even if it's a chess match and you're willing to go and work for hours to become just even a better chess player to beat your dad or your godfather, that shows me that you're going to take whatever it takes to win. But now in a situation like the NFL, you got to rely more than just cognitive skills cognitive skills and thinking on the in in the quick second is going to help you in high school it's going to help you in college and it is going to help you in the nfl there's no doubt it will help you in the nfl but the nfl is 10 times faster than college 100 times faster than high school and every single player in the nfl maybe as you know maybe you might hear their post-game interviews and they might not talk so well they are some of the smartest people you you got to be smart in the nfl you there you can't get around being dumb in the nfl that that's just not possible, and especially at it being a franchise quarterback. That's why the top. Tu- you you cannot even afford to be an ounce of dumb in the NFL as a quarterback. You have to be smart, razor sharp. So I look at it like this: you can't teach the winning intangibles that Murray has. So the film thing you can teach. So here's where I'm going to throw shade at the Arizona Cardinals. Because I personally think it was very, very soft to them to remove this clause. Like I said, Kyler Murray himself has said he's not a big film guy. But I don't think Kyler Murray truly understands. Kyler Murray is great. I think Kyler Murray's great. But he can't break into that elite tier of quarterbacks till he masters the game of film. I always say football's 80% mental, 20% physical. 20% is a huge physical, but that 80% is huge. That 80% mental is huge. You have to understand what is happening. Now, in split-second decisions, film isn't going to help you, right? If it's, you know, you're on the fly and and you got to make a throw, that's great. But to break down defenses like the greats, like Peyton Manning, like Tom Brady, like Montana, um, I mean, so many great quarterbacks, right? They understood what their opponents were going to do next. And that is something you master through watching film. So I think film is something that is very vital as an NFL quarterback. And for the Cardinals to sort of remove it, it looks soft. It looks soft. It looks like, and 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 they they kind of mentioned, oh, we did it because of controversy. Contro, controversy. Who cares? Who cares what the public eye thinks? You want the best pro you want the best, you want the best tangibles in your quarterback. You want to take the best things from your quarterback and put them onto the field. So why would you remove something like that? Now, I'm not going to sit here and bash Kyler Murray and say this guy won't study film. Because I I still think he understands to be an NFL quarterback. There is some sort of film watching that he does. So I'm not saying he doesn't study film at all. But if he truly wants to take that next step, and he's he's taken the next step in the recent years. In his stats, you've seen it. His on-target throws have gone up 6% from his rookie year to now his third year. His bad throws have gone down 3% from 17.9% to 14.1 percent his completion percentage has gone up five percent from his rookie to this year he's made strides with his game but if he truly wants to take that thing to the next level it is adding the film so I think on both sides it was a little soft that they decided to get rid of it I I, I think it was a little soft of them to go be, get to get rid of it from both sides now you Now, I think the Cardinals kind of did the smart thing. You got to pay him. Like, I I don't even think that was a question. And I kind of just put that at the end of this Kyler Murray discussion because I I think regardless of what Kyler Murray's, you know, watching film or whatever he's doing on his long time, you had to pay the guy. There is not someone like Kyler. There are not a lot of people like Kyler Murray. In fact, there's really nobody like Kyler Murray. The only guy I can think is Lamar Jackson. And in fact, I wrote here, I think Kyler Murray is one of the more underappreciated players in the NFL. I don't think people understand the level of skill it takes to be 5'10", 207 and still be considered one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Or not one of the best, but one of the better quarterbacks in the league. There's not a lot of quarterbacks that can say that, but Kyler Murray can say that. So I think Kyler Murray is making the right strides in his game. But if he, man, if he can add that film to his game where he, where it's not just, oh, let me do it on the fly. But I even, I, before I even step on the field, I know what you're going to do. They're going to, he could take his game to a whole nother level. And the last thing I'll finish on with Kyler Murray is I, I think Cliff Kingsbury is actually hurting him. I think Cliff Kingsbury and this air raid offense for the Arizona Cardinals is in fact hurting Murray. I think if Murray went into more of an actual, you know, pro level offense, I think he would strive a a lot better. And in fact, I think it would almost force him more to watch film because in this air raid offense, yes, you got to understand what defenses are doing. But at the end of the day, it's like, okay, if my read's not open or that defender's not beat, I'm just going to run the football. And that, to me, that's not an efficient enough offense to really make any noise in those January and February months. But let me know what you guys think about that. To me, I think Kyler Murray... He's, he still hasn't hit that top 10 yet, but I think he has a chance to, and I think, I, I think he's one of the better quarterbacks, and I, I think he's one of the more feared quarterbacks, if you ask me, and just with his ability to run and his you know slinging ability. But let's talk about one more guy in the NFC West, and that is Debo Samuel. Do y'all know Debo Samuel? Well, if you don't know Debo Samuel, you obviously do not know the NFL, because Debo Samuel came into the spotlight this year after a phenomenal rookie year and i mean a great f- rookie year where he had 108 100 yards receiving had about 200 yards rushing maybe not the sexiest of, of rookie years but you could still see the thing the talent was there his second year he 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 got injured didn't really didn't, didn't do much and then this year man debo samuel was a baller I, <laughs> there's no other way to put it besides he was a baller and you know what ballers do? They get paid. And Debo Samuel got paid. What do you get? Three years, $71 million. $23 million annually. To me, you can't go wrong with that. Um, the guaranteed money for those asking, um, about $41, 58000000 million, I should say. Um, which which is kind of which is kind of big. They 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 see a lot of faith. When you get when you give a guy $71 million contract and you guarantee basically more than 75% of it. You've got a lot of trust in your receiver. you got a lot of trust in your guy. Which I like. But Debo Samuel is an interesting player. And and why is Debo Samuel an interesting player? Because not only is he a top 10 paid receiver now. But he is a top 10 receiver. And and that, that, that was kind of a weird segue to what I was trying to say. Because obviously I think we all agree Debo Samuel is a top 10 receiver. But what makes to me Debo Samuel so interesting. Is that. You know, he doesn't have the route running like a Devontae Adams or like a Stephon Diggs or even a throw Cooper Cup or Amari Cooper. Um, You know, he doesn't have that kind of almost go up and get there type of vertical that DeAndre Hopkins has. Maybe the DK Metcalfs of the world have. And he doesn't have the speed like Hill. Well, we'll get to the speed part. But for the most part, he doesn't have those kind of crazy, you know, things that when you think of Tyreek Kill, you're like, wow, Tyreek Kill is fast. I mean, he's one of the, he's the fastest dude in the league. He's not the, wow. Well, he's not that insane route runner that's going to break down his defender in a route. And he doesn't have that, oh, I'm just going to snag it over you type of, you know, vertical. But what Debo Samuel has, and what a lot of other receivers, what we typically don't see, is one, I think the biggest thing that comes out to me when you watch Debo Samuel is this relentless effort that he has. As a, as a, receiver and as a rusher put the ball in his hands and he is the hardest dude to tackle you are going to have a tough time bringing down Debo Samuel and I can tell you that because I watched my Dallas Cowboys absolutely get obliterated by him in the wild card round but I do want to talk about his speed because his speed is something interesting because while like I said he's not the fastest like Tyree Kill he has this sneaky sneaky speed Man, when, when Debo Samuel, once he hits the open field, good luck tackling him. And not even good luck tackling him, good luck even trying to touch him. Because he has the second level burst that you don't see in a lot of players. It's like, boom, right out the gate. He's gone. Um, and, and I think that, to me, is what makes Debo Samuel so interesting. Now, yes, I think, to me, some people could look at it as like, Debo Samuel might not be that good because of his route running. But I think that relentless effort, that second burst speed... And just the extremely physical play that he plays with kind of outvalues the route running. While the route running running would be fantastic for a guy like Debo and would honestly make him 100 times more dangerous, he doesn't really need it because, you know, his average depth of target is only 8.4 yards. So, and that ranks about 76 in the league. So it's not like he's really having to go really far out there, but his yards per reception are 18.2. which which tell you a lot. So once he's getting the ball, he's at least going 10 yards, (laughs) right? Like he's catching the ball and it's like, okay, he's getting a first down, right? That's kind of the thing you get with Debo Samuel. And and, and to me, that is what makes him so dangerous because there's not a lot of corners that are big and physical. So it's a tough time tackling him. But to me, I think, I think the Debo, the signing, is what had to happen. If the 49ers would have let Debo go, they would have realized pretty quickly that this offense was not going to be what it was last year. But this San Francisco offense is not going to be successful if Debo is really good. Well, it will. But it's going to depend on the arm of Trey Lance. Trey Lance, to me, has to play better than Jimmy Garoppolo if they want to make some noise. I don't value Jimmy Garoppolo as this fantastic quarterback. So I'm not saying Trey Lance has to play out of this world. But he does have to play better. Because Jimmy G has the smarts over Trey Lance right now. And and there's no doubting that Trey Lance could get smarter than Garoppolo. But right now, I would take Garoppolo's smarts over Trey Lance. Because Jimmy Garoppolo's been in the game longer. He's learned under Tom Brady for many years. He came to San Francisco. And while he wasn't great, he's still been to two NFC championships. He's been to one Super Bowl. And if he had to miss Emmanuel Sanders, I mean, who knows? He might have been a Super Bowl champ. So he's serviceable. But it seems they've already given the reins to Trey Lance. So Trey Lance has to be better than Jimmy Garoppolo, in my eyes, for them to make noise. I think he has the possibility to... And I think he's gonna find out very quickly that Debo Samuel will be his savior. Because you don't got a lot, you don't have to do a lot with training, you don't have to do a lot with Debo Samuel. Oh, here you go, Debo. Now go for 40 yards, right? There's there's not a lot you have to do with Debo Samuel. You give him the ball, he's gonna do something. He's gonna do something, you don't know what it is. I mean, look, he had 1,400 yards in receiving this year. He had almost 400 yards in rushing this year. He had eight touchdowns in rushing. He had six touchdowns in receiving. And in fact, if you want to look at it, he had about 22 broken tackles between receiving and and rushing. So he's going to get the yards, and he's going to get even more yards because it's hard to tackle Now, it will be interesting to see how the 49ers approach this whole idea of not using, using him as much as a rusher. Now, there is an incentive in, in Debo's contract, and it, and it has kind of been pointed out by many people, that he, there is a way Debo can earn a little bit more money if he decides to run the ball a little bit more. In fact, he can earn another $650,000 per year if he run, rushes for more than 380 yards. Keep in mind, he ran for 365 this year. So he would probably have to do the same workload um, that he did this year, maybe even a bit more. He had 59 rushes this year. He averaged about 6.2 yards a carry. Um, So he he would have to do a little bit more work. And that would kind of go away from what he wanted, where he wanted to be the ideal receiver. But he also, if he doesn't even reach that hash mark, he could still make $150,000 more on his contract if he just ran for three plus touchdowns. So there is incentive for Debo to still rush, but I think the 49ers were smart with this. They said, look, we're going to give you the money that you deserve, right? We're going to make you the eighth highest paid receiver in this league, right behind DK Metcalf, making an annual salary of about $23.5 million. But you can help us out too, and you can actually help yourself out too by making a little bit more cash if you want to run the ball. So I think it was very smart by John Lynch in the front office of the 49ers to kind of make a decision like that. Because it's not where it's like, oh, we're signing you with the intent. But we're signing you, but you could also help us and you could help yourself out financially, make a little bit more money on the side, right? Now, I do think the 49ers can be very dangerous, very dangerous if two things happen. Well, I, a few things happen. <laughs> Trey Lance is better than Jimmy Garoppolo, and Brandon Ayuk continues this strong camp into the regular season, because from all the reports I've heard, is Brandon Ayuk is looking like prime Randy Moss, (laughs) he's looking like prime Randy Moss in training camp, he's catching balls over guys, he's making insane catches, Trey Lance is just slinging the ball to him, hell, Debo might be forgotten about it, Brandon Ayuk's having this good training camp, no, no, that's not going to happen, but... If Brandon Ayuk can continue this, and I was a big guy. I was big on Brandon Ayuk coming out of Arizona State. I thought a team like Green Bay should have picked him up, but it's whatever. I think they missed on an opportunity, but he landed with the 49ers. Man, if, if they can add that ability to stretch the field, think about it. If you, got, if you have Brandon Ayuk doing more of the vertical, right, where he's going from touchdown to touchdown, and you have Debo going from sideline to sideline, and you have just George Kittle doing whatever he wants... And you have Elijah Mitchell coming on to his second year with one of the best offensive lines. And keep in mind, they got a damn good front seven. The 49ers might be a Super Bowl team. I mean, really, and it's not out of the realm of possibility. These aren't things that are like, you know, these aren't things of like crazy things. happen. This isn't asking like, oh, Mitchell Trubisky to be a really good quarterback. No, this is just asking for a few simple things. (laughs) And, And they could surely happen. So I think... This was very smart by the 49ers. You you got Debo back. You didn't need the whole mess. You didn't need all that. That was just, you didn't need that. They got their guy. And they can make another deep run in the playoffs if if everything goes right. And to me, I'm confident in them if they could do that. The NFC is wide open. There's not a lot of teams. You have the Rams and the Buccaneers right now. The Rams and the Buccaneers are probably the two teams that scare you the most if you're a 49ers fan. And I mean, with the, the, with the recent success, minus the NFC Championship game, the 49ers have had the Rams' hand. So, we'll see what happens. But I truly believe that the 49ers will make another deep run in this year's season. Anyway, guys, thank you so much for joining me on today's podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jude, signing off.